the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 100, and our guest is Ryan Anderson. Ryan is the lead singer and principal songwriter for the band Bendigo Fletcher, whose latest record, Fits of Laughter, is one of our absolute favorites of the year. This episode is the third in our Americana Fest 2021 series. I was fortunate to travel to Nashville, Tennessee for a weekend in September where I got to spend time with wonderful creatives and saw outstanding sets from Bendigo Fletcher, I, Aaron Lee Tajian, Van Plating, Trey Burt, Great Peacock, Matthew Fowler, and so many more. If you ever have a chance to go to Americana Fest, y'all do it. The folks whose music you love are not only playing sets all over town, but also just mingling in the crowd and to a person. The people I got to meet and hang out with were just a pure delight. This conversation with Ryan was at the Airbnb where I was staying. It was the first thing in the morning, and we just connected on a deep level, real deep, real fast, and I am so excited for y'all to hear about his creative process and his upbringing and just so many different topics were covered and i'm really fired up for y'all to hear this everyone it's my honor to bring you my conversation with ryan anderson Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, Jason, for having me. This is so great. I really appreciate you. Um, we're at Americana Fest, and you played last night, and I didn't get in town in time to get my credentials, so I didn't get oh, to see you. On. I know. I'm going to come to the Commonwealth of Kentucky party. That's okay. I'm from Elizabethtown originally. Oh, that's, that's an exciting lineup, so I'm glad you can come to that. Yeah, it should yeah. be good. Um, but, I'm, but how was last night? It was fun. We played at midnight, which is always, you wonder what your... Uh, levels are going to be yeah. once the hour hits but we found the groove and it was a good small room we got to play for so good good it's my first americana fest and so i'm trying to get a lay of the land and like figure out what's going on so i'm hoping to pace myself and make it to some of those later shows there's some cool stuff going on later yeah hopefully i'll make it there are people who love music out there that's for sure i've 
I've heard from a few of the festival curators like, man, this is isn't quite what it usually is, given the COVID situation that we're re- recovering. Well, still, yeah, navigating. But um, there are music fans eager to hear music. So yeah, that always creates a good energy. Well, speaking of good energy, fits of laughter. Your record is just wonderful, and uh, it has such Thanks. a good energy. I was thinking about it this morning. It was like. I know it's just Friday, but it feels like a Saturday for me. And I was thinking about how, what an ideal like Saturday morning vibe it has to it in my mind, how it's like just the right amount of energy that I need, just the right amount of like, get me going. And once it gets you going, then you're on this journey where there's just so much to process and so much to think about. And, um, I've just been wearing it out for the last few days, like just repeat, you know, and kind of living in that world. And so I want to get into it. One cool. of the things that, that jumped out to me was um, y'all are from Louisville. And I've always kind of thought of Louisville as like the Istanbul of the South. Where it's, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so it's kind of like at this crossroads, right? Yeah. Where it's like, it's kind of the South, but not really. It's sort of the Midwest too. And it's sort of like at this sort of this crossroads where there's all these different cultures that kind of blend there. Yeah. And so it still has like a lot of the, the good and not so good about the South. It still has, um, the good and not so good about the Midwest. And it's sort of like in this space where it makes sense to me that there are bands I really dig that come from that area. And when I listen to the record, I hear the Istanbul, of the record industry, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like I hear yeah. these influences come together and I hear this, like this vibe that makes me go like, Oh yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me that this band's from Louisville. That's cool. I've never thought of it like that. Istanbul's in Turkey, correct? Yeah. 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 You, you, it's like have you, cr- you've been there? I haven't or? been to Istanbul, but I just like, it's just sort of known as like, you know, being kind of the crossroads of like, it's, I wanted to Asian. make sure of that before we went on, and I embarrassed myself. No, no, no. Geography. I don't know. I don't know much about. Yeah, I don't know much about Istanbul other than what I've read. But like, it sort of seems to be that kind of crossroads between east and west, you know. And so there's just a dynamic. There's a there's a dynamic kind of vibe to, from what I understand of Istanbul and what I feel when I'm in Louisville. There's a yeah. dyna- There's there's a dynamic feel to the culture mm-hmm. there, and I think that comes through with so many bands that are co- that come from that area is that you sort of are at this crossroads, this cultural crossroads yeah. in the country. I feel like that too. It's a cool river town. Obviously, you know, probably major portage. At some point in history, I think we have one of the King Henrys to thank for that. I can't remember which number, but um, yeah, there's it's that weird kind of geographical pocket between Cincinnati's an hour away and then Nashville's two hours south so there's there's like this kind of rust belt meets the south energy for me that is kind of magical with um the architecture that you see and um really old houses i don't know that that kind of stuff there's a mystique and a mystery to what the what the um historical relevances in louisville and what what kind of character that it um emits i guess (laughs) i don't know you see it's hard to put into words yeah (laughs) yeah well it it certainly is and i mean putting any music into words is difficult um and, and the influences on that music 
And that's why I started a podcast about it. Yeah. To tor- and, torture artists about their Well, and to your point artists. about, yeah, let's honing in back on music, there, there are lots of influences. You know, clearly, uh, My Morning Jacket is a huge mm-hmm. influence and sort of a point of pride, at least for me, mm-hmm. um, being from Louisville. And yeah, you can't really put them into a category either. It's just kind of. For me, it's like mostly spiritual. <laughs> yeah, that kind of energy versus like a genre uh, or consistent type of style. It's more just like there's a special energy to Kentucky and to Louisville, and the sounds coming out of it are usually pretty different when put up next to uh, any other music coming out. Yeah. Yeah, that you, you okay, so you touched on I was going to ask you about this idea of like there's a lot of um outdoor imagery. There's a lot of like co- commune with nature kind of uh imagery that I pick up on on fits of laughter and so I wonder about like that sense and to me when I'm that's my kind of music and being outdoors. That's my church, right? Like yeah. that's that's where I tap into a sense of spirituality. So are you a John Denver fan by chance? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe two on the nose. <laughs> I, I am. I think I need to revisit John Denver after that statement, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, I just think of him, yeah, as at least one of the um, purveyors of, like, spirituality and nature and music and where those crossroads kind of meet. How does, that, how does that influence you? Maybe not John Denver, or maybe John Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, but... A sense of spirituality when you think about your writing. I think um, I think that it is like uh, things like nature find their way into our music because it's a natural. Gosh, I mean, I don't, no pun intended or whatever, but <laughs> there's a um, just general attitude of openness that you can find when you spend time with nature and um, give yourself a chance to breathe and for your brain to just be your brain processing Mm -hmm. sounds and sights and creatures that you know when when a particular attention or even lack of attention when you take that into nature it can I think for me it can have um special powers to like release endorphins and and give leads to some thoughts that find their way into songs and um yeah, it's like when you feel the most when I feel the most free is when I'm kind of able to find words for my feelings and for what I think might be worthy of songs. When that happens, are you are you able to write that down somewhere? Are you are 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 you someone who carries a notebook with you? Like, what does that look I've like? I've tried for you? to be. <laughs> yeah, that's a, there's kind of. I think the iPhone has become like my most consistent tool uh. um, for the recording purposes, and also the Notepad. I can never physically lose it. It downloads yeah. to the cloud and like gives me a lot of peace of mind yeah just check my notebook as you said that yeah it's like because when i'm traveling i i did this recently i went i was on a train 
and I lost this notebook and I had all these ideas. There were song ideas, there were ideas for the show, there were writing ideas and it's just gone. Dude, yeah, that's a hard feeling. Right, and once mm-hmm. it's gone, like for me at least, and that's why I asked you that question and I, I love asking artists this question is, a lot of times once it's gone, if I write it down, <clears throat> I may revisit it and, and or my brain will then connect with something else that happens. If I don't write it down or if I write it down and it leaves, it's like my brain goes, well, that doesn't exist anymore. That's yeah. not a thought that you ever had. Mm-hmm. And so I can't revisit it. And in that moment, are you ever like you'll have a thought and then it's like, oh, that's that's good. So I'll remember that. Yeah, it's it's there. My, I came up with it. It feels rewarding. So yeah. how could I possibly forget it? Right. But 30 seconds later, sometimes dude, th- that happens at night all the time. Yeah, like, and I—that's where the discipline. It becomes like a discipline thing to well, write things down. I think that's it. So okay, so on a let's let's get into this then. So like on a if I'm today, right? Today I'm gonna be walking around. I'm gonna go go see lots of music. I'm gonna meet a lot of folks. It's gonna be kind of hectic, I imagine. Yeah, right. Um, but if Conscious I have this excitement, so yeah, you have. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, that's very well said. So, but if I'm out and I have an idea and it's, it's a little different here because you're, there's just creative people everywhere. So everyone understands if you need to stop and write something down or if you need to walk away, I hope that's what I'm anticipating. Yeah. So, but I will do that. And friends of mine know that like, if I have an idea, I'm going to stop and write it down, you know, and it's not, uh, I'm not like the classic I'm not Neil Young, right? First of all. Secondly, I'm not um, the classic uh, story about him, how he'll just walk away from conversations. Mm-hmm. But if I have an idea, I'm going to take it out of my pocket and I'm going to write down that idea um, in in that moment as best I can. Um, yeah. And, but at night, like, I'll have so, you know, your brain's doing a different thing. And so if I have an idea at night or first thing in the morning sometimes, not first thing in the morning, that's not true, but at night, I won't want to sacrifice my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nice. And so I won't write it down. And so that's a tough balance sometimes chasing the muse, right? Where like maybe that thought was supposed to come to you in that moment, but also I kind of got to work tomorrow. Yeah. And then you're frustrated because you forgot the idea and then you start losing sleep over Yeah. what you forgot. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think I definitely struggle with the, and have learned a lot. Like you're saying, um, some, I'm, I'm, Picking up on some possible, like, maybe you feel like sometimes it's rude to pull out your, to stop conversation. Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah, I mean, I've I've um, recognized that as opportunity to, like, communicate with people and be like, hey, this is what I need. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you are my friend and you respect the, you respect what I like to do in my head and what makes me me. So, I that can be tricky to uh, not feel guilty about, but it's kind of how I have dealt with that. Like you're you're actually communicating your needs to yeah, your friends. Yeah, it makes you like <laughs> take the time to say I need I need this. How crazy! And what then a- people are relieved because you've expressed a need, and everyone's feeling that right. Everyone has their different needs and wishes that they could freely express those needs. So you're giving your friends permission to then express whatever it is that they need as well. Yes. Sounds like really good relationship advice. Hey, I don't know. We're hashing it out this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, I like to get down that way. Um, speaking of relationships, um, um, 
I'm resisting asking you who hurt you and made you write birding. <laughs> um, but like, th- there's so many beautiful songs about that I'm connecting about relationships, for example, like that, that line in the song birding. Now I can't sleep on my side anymore. Cause all I want is your hair in my mouth. It's just like such an intimate and s- it's so simple, but it's also so heavy, you know, like that, we, I think everybody can get there in some way, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we all sleep with our mouths open. So <laughs> it's bound to happen. But the intimacy Those of Those of us who moment. don't are vampires and not to be trusted. <laughs> no offense to our vampire listeners. Don't listen to Ryan. Not um, at all. It's an invitation for discussion. Please email or feel free yep, to call Podcast Jason. at gmail.com or you can find me on all our socials. Um Patreon extra extra treatment for um vampires on Patreon. You gotta get those plugs in there. Yeah, yeah. Um this is a money making machine anyway, buddy. That's why we're <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're here. Yeah, I'm rolling in it. Um <laughs> uh, the but uh, what, uh, how comfortable are you with a lyric so intimate or do you think about it as intimate as the way I processed it? Um, I think it was in hindsight, it was obviously, um, spawned from, yeah, an intense feeling of missing someone. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what music and writing songs kind of frees me up to do in general is to look back and try to find and feel a sense of humor or it's, it's fun to sing that now. So Mm -hmm. it's like this thing where... I don't know, a a painful memory and my uh, processing of it and having given attention to that feeling and not avoiding it, writing a song with it, it's it kind of frees me up to enjoy. Uh, not enjoy, that sounds kind of sadistic, but um, I guess relish in the full spectrum of life that relationships and their failures offer to us as human beings yeah just celebrating that that i mean that's kind of i think about process in general it's kind of celebrating the fact that like all these all things end and when they do avoiding them isn't going to help any at all um processing it through music is a really healthy way to do it i love that you said it's kind of fun yeah you know i don't hear that as sadistic at all i hear that as a (laughs) as like as a catharsis i hear that as a as a release yeah, and the fact that it connects with you and you brought it up, it's like even more affirmation that that something so bizarre is okay to say in a song and it can connect. Well, and that's because it's such an uncomfortable feeling having someone else's hair in your mouth, but it's also such a beautiful thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Depending the- on what kind of conditioner they use, it can yeah. be either very rewarding or, or not so much. Yeah, I mean, there's just like, yeah, there's there's a beauty to it, but it's also like, I got fucking hair in my mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a common denominator of all, of all relationships. Right, and it's weird how we, it's beautiful, but it's weird how we, how when when a relationship like that ends, and it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, you can get all kinds of people's hair in your mouth. No, but it doesn't have, but it could be, it could be some other situation, you know? Yeah. Um, where... You know, you look back on this, uh, you got something positive from that, otherwise you wouldn't be, right, you wouldn't be thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And it, I think um, music has this power for me to be okay with those learning experiences. And 
I, I don't know, I guess kind of circling back and repeating myself, but it's like uh, the fact that playing and singing that song feels good is is um, an indication that it's okay to reflect and feel positively about relationships that have failed and, you know, that's okay. It is okay. Yeah. Finding that feeling of okay. <laughs> I think we're <laughs> unfolding a lot that the, the like, the lyric itself doesn't really touch on, but I'm enjoying that's great. delving into <laughs> these thoughts with you. That's great. Good. Yeah. I, that's hopefully the goal, right? Once it's yeah. out there, you don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to project whatever I've, shit I've been through on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All is welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just such a great record, man. And, and there's a couple other like highlights um, for me. I mean, I like, I like it top to bottom, but. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm grateful that it came into my life and I want to get one of those. Do you still have those really cool? There was like a pink vinyl, I want to say, or like. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta get me one of those. Do y'all have those with you? Man, Do you have merch with you? I think vinyl production this past year, oh you God. might be aware, has been yeah kind of a a slow process for a lot of artists yeah. and companies. But we will. The pink ones are in product. I know that they're a consistent option. Okay, cool. So they'll so arrive like twenty twenty three August twenty. I'll go ahead and order it. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't. I have that hasn't bothered me a bit because I I'm kind of addicted to vinyl and so I'll order a record and then I'll forget that I ordered it because it's like six months delayed. So I know it sucks for you guys, but it's kind of cool for me because every once in a while the like yeah. record store drops off a new baby at my door. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that I that I uh, procreated at, <laughs> with the record gods. You little, know. Yeah, a little gift to yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Um, <laughs> on Astro Pup. There, the song Astro Pup um, is another one that hit me really hard. I mean, it it makes me like want to dance and cry, kind of at the same time, sort of thing. Um, and there's a lyric that I couldn't quite make out, and I wouldn't normally ask this. That's a lie. This is on Evergreen. Okay, we'll get to Astro Pup. Sorry, sorry. Right. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to edit this. Because my notes are a mess. It is on Astro Pub. Uh, it says, so you say, you can't love somebody. Is it, you can't love somebody who don't want to love themselves or when nobody loves themselves? Who don't want to? Because the first like five times I heard it, I heard when nobody loves themselves. Ooh, that's isn't pretty that, dark. Isn't that, yeah, I don't <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <That's, laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, got a therapy appointment next week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, like my my brain did that, and then I listened to it again, and I went, I don't think that's the lyric. I think it's who don't want to love themselves. And well, so the, the alternative is, yeah, it's it's a little haunting, but it can be. Uh, we can feel like that sometimes too. That yeah. Well, either way, you know, either way, it's it's <clears throat> uh, it speaks such truth. And, you know, you can't love somebody who don't want to love themselves. Hopefully there are people who love themselves and not what I originally <laughs> interpreted. Um, but that song, I, one of the things that I like about that song is that um, there's a it covers a lot of ground um, thematically and lyrically, but it also covers a lot of ground musically. And I wonder like how much when you're making choices about about a song like that, you're writing the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Are you? Is it? 
is that where it kind of like the there's spoken word kind of layered over at the end and there's just like a whole there's a whole lot of stuff going on throughout that song yeah is that a production decision or is that something that you heard in your head already or is that a combination what does that look like um well with the uh, spoken word thing at the end those were i think those were lyrics that were like for another song that i had in my notes or my phone recordings that I think it had a melody on its own, but it kind of just lingered around for a while like this, because that part's like a more direct communication from, it's like a person speaking to you, I guess Mm -hmm. the voice of that last spoken word part, and I don't know, it just seemed right, so I think that'll happen a lot with parts of songs that hang around and were an idea two years ago even, and I'll stumble upon it and decide that it fits with a current, like something I'm currently working on. Mm. So to just slap that onto the end, the theme made a lot of sense to me, and it, um, I don't know, it kind of grew the song for, like the, um, oh, I don't know, the emotional... Emotional like scape of the song kind of expanded with that addition, which made me feel like it was a good thing to include. I think it was a good thing to include for whatever that's worth. And um, the do you play that live? Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Is that is that a challenge? Like the especially that in part with the spoken word, or is usually don't include it. You don't. Yeah, I mean maybe someday it will be. I don't think live. I'd I'd rather like focus on playing the banjo correctly and like. Uh, there's some other embellishments that can happen just depending on the mood. Yeah. Uh, vocally, so. Yeah. What yeah. was uh, Ken Coomer produced the record? What What was that like for you? Um, kind of a heavyweight, you know, and oh, man. heavyweight musician here, and so like, what What was that? What was that like? What was the process of working with him like? Um, Cause well, if I, if I, sorry to interrupt, but if I understand, you, did you self-produce the first, yeah, the, the, your earlier work, and then this is the kind of the first time you're really working with a producer, and it's kind of a correct big yeah. deal. Yeah. Well, just for example, we were talking about Astro Pup. There's like the, there's this way that the sound opens up on the second verse, where mm-hmm. you can hear this like shimmering low mm-hmm. droney it like makes the direction takes it in a magic like kind of sci-fi feeling mm-hmm. type of world that's what ken does you know like mm-hmm. he just by being who he is and thinking on the you know firing on the cylinders that he does and loving sound and loving to experiment um i think his work and influence shows a lot in those like intricate but can't quite nail down exactly what it does for the song but it like creates this magic um like i don't know how they did that that example that i just referenced uh-huh. that mu- like there's something in the combination of a synth and and lots of reverb mashed together in the mixing process and 
you know, there were those surprises listening back to the mixes for us that were like, oh, I don't remember ever doing that. But all yeah. of a sudden there's this like whistle that sounds like an overtone of some harmonies happening. And yeah, really just feel lucky and fortunate to have worked with Ken and Jeff Pillar, the mixer and audio engineer. Yeah. Um, because those type of unpredictable, like magic injections seem to happen on this session that's great and you sound when you say that you sound comfortable with that you sound comfortable with the with that magic and there could be a tendency to be like this is my song and that's not what i that's not my song but it is your song but it sounds different and i didn't expect that (laughs) there could be a little bit of ego right involved (laughs) but it sounds like you don't feel that way like you feel comfortable and not only comfortable you sound excited about it as you're saying it now yeah, well, don't get me wrong, we had to, uh, of course, there were those moments in the sessions where you have to face, like, uh, there's this really intense uh, saying about, like, is it killing your baby? <laughs> is yeah, that, yeah. Is that, <laughs> that sounds, I always feel weird saying that, but it is that, like, you have these ideas that you've lived with for whoever, or however long, years or days, depending on how long you've been working on a song, and work inviting another mind into the recording Mm. process like it's either go in there completely open or just do it yourself like i think there's it's hard to live in the middle of uh, openness and going into the studio thinking you're going to replicate every demo you've made right there has to be this um say openness again yeah you kind of have to commit to and I've I've meeting Ken um and talking on the phone with him for the first time it kind of just eased all of those necessary um sort of like mindset adjustments that needed to be made for me to work with a producer it was just easy from the get go I think the first phone call we had we talked about like swimming spots and you know bands we loved talked about grizzly bear a lot and like Mm. how they you know just again with like sounds you can't really describe that happen on records like let's find those moments and try to capture it that's great good that's really wonderful you're i read an interview where you said that you talked about the fact that you almost did you take the mcat or you almost took the mcat <laughs> you could say almost, but <laughs> I think uh yeah, it was I think my last like attempt was this biochemistry class that I did not do well in after uh, that was like after undergrad, so in hindsight I was just you know, wasting money installing the reality that was setting in that like I needed to jump off and, and really spend time making music. Trying to pursue that as like at least something to work towards with a greater priority because it of how happy it makes me. You make that sound like an easy decision, but it can't can't have been that easy. <laughs> well, after <laughs> some therapy and um, <laughs> like years of processing, and yeah, no, it's it was tough, but honestly the the decision to move on from the idea of med school was never tough. I think that's mm. goes back to the reality of like I was kind of just fooling myself and stalling on 
responsible like adult decisions that needed to be made for like no i see my i see the path kind of laid out for me and that's not i'm gonna disappoint some people um yeah but that you know i have to do what makes me the fullest version of myself Mm. and working you know eight jobs in six years to (laughs) keep playing music is has made me happier than you know than I ever was. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. I, because you mentioned kind of almost in passing there the idea of like disappointing people mm-hmm. and how when you, you know, when you make decisions like that, there's so often in the back of your mind or sometimes even at the forefront of your mind this desire not to like to upset people who have like sort of invested in you, you know, family members and friends sort of invested in various ways, emotionally (laughs) invested, financially invested potentially in you doing this thing that in their mind is what makes sense for you. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's not for me, this is for me. And so even if you know that decision is the right decision for you, there's still that guilt in the back of your mind about like, I'm going to let these people down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, uh, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. And I think the testament, my testament to anyone, you know, making decisions like that or facing, facing those types of decisions, like, not to get too much into the nitty gritty, but my mother and I have, like, a better relationship now after, you know, that type of decision to, uh, like we understand each other better because we went through this um, process of, yeah, investment was made, and now I'm saying, but I needed, I know exactly what I need to do. Yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah, we're closer than ever. Cause I think oh, it's good, good for you. Cause I think <laughs> and it takes time. And yeah. Work. So is that you? Like, and if this is too much, tell me. But. Is that you, like, just you and mom talking, having conversations and, like, having those difficult talks about, like, hey, this is what I really need, and I know that's not necessarily what you expected? Over years, yeah. I think I'm, I think, um, I don't know, maybe I guilt, maybe I have this, like, complex where I don't think I'm good at expressing myself in, or at one point, I should say, Mm. I think I've grown, but, um... I think music gave me that impetus to like really in writing songs and thinking about songs all the time brought it kind of helped me discover how to express myself in a lot of ways. Mm. And to her credit, she heard me through these songs, you know, in a lot of different ways. So uh. so just listening to each other and um yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Because also, in, in, I'm working through my own shit now, but also in... Uh, Getting deep. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is something I... You know, something I honest, okay, so I'll just say, I mean, it's something I struggle with with my parents. Yeah. You know, is that like I didn't... I, I kind of tried to go down the road that was <clears throat> set for me, and my parents were loving, and they they invested in various ways, um, and I I'm fortunate. In so many ways, yeah. but the expectations that not just them, also 
the, the culture I grew up in and, you know, my friends and, and family members, there was yeah. an expectation for me. And it was this path over here. And the path that I've chosen is more like here. And the path I really want is probably here, you know? Yeah. So uh, the, the dif- difference between what they wanted, you know, as I point to one side of the room and what I really ultimately want on the other side of the room, I've moved the needle way over toward what I really want. I still hold on to some of the guilt that is wanted over here. And it's yeah. just a process. It's like the needle moves this way and then I have to wrestle yeah. it back this way. It's daily. Yeah. yeah. It really is. It really is daily work. Yeah. Daily opportunities too. And yeah. Let me ask you too. I may be projecting a little too much, but, uh, you know, spending a lot of time now with artists and musicians and, similar like-minded people yeah. artistic people do you did you ever feel like and do you ever feel like it's kind of an uncool thing to talk about is like these journeys that you go through with for example parents mm-hmm. um i don't know i feel like for me there was this le- layer of like oh i have all these intense feelings and i know i'm privileged and i know i've been um very blessed and these are the things that are going to define my <laughs> internal, like my darkest internal struggles. Mm-hmm. And that's anyway, I just, I've kind like of shied away from those conversations, but I want to say that it feels good talking to you about Likewise. it. So it's like, yeah, it's okay to process these. It is. And it, cause I think it's, tell me if this make, if this describes what you're saying, I feel there's like a, an imposter syndrome around the guilt that I feel. Like, wow, you feel guilty because you didn't choose the lawyer path and you ended up trying to be a create, you know, more of a creative. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I never had to worry about a roof over my head. I never had to worry about food on the table. Like I was loved and taken care of. But I, that doesn't mean I didn't have shit. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't still have shit. That doesn't mean there isn't trauma from my childhood. It doesn't. It's just a different kinds of trauma. And when you start having these conversations, there can almost be in my mind, I almost do this measuring like, well, I know so-and-so who went through all this shit here, yeah. you know, and all I went through was this shit here as if it's some sort of shit contest, you know? And so there's almost like this, like I say, imposter syndrome about the guilt that I feel. Whereas it's this, what we're doing right now is like really healthy and I feel heard. Right. And I feel yeah. seen and, and I, that, can happen even if your whatever your shit was doesn't measure up to somebody else's shit you know and this is two white guys in america talking right Right. and and so sometimes especially i can look at and i work with kids and i work specifically with african-american kids and uh in underserved communities and so like there is such a sense in from my perspective of looking at what my kids go through and go like, well, I've never, I will never ever deal with what most of my kids go through. But that doesn't mean that what I am struggling with here, moving that needle from what was expected of me to what I really want isn't a valid struggle. It's just a different kind of struggle. Yeah. And your empathy is what ties it all together and allows you to relate Mm. to people with, you know, different experiences Mm. And hopefully we can look back and be like, like for example, I I feel like I'm exactly where I should be, like, or spending time on, I should say. I, f- I feel like I'm spending time on exactly what I should be spending time on. Yeah. And, you know, I, it was never a choice, really. 
like there's this weird like flux of life that like you can um end up in a place and realize that like oh this is maybe it's fate maybe it's not but based on what i know about myself this is the only thing that makes sense like mm-hmm. i can't sit still for more than 10 minutes so mm. <laughs> being able to finish any uh medical school book that might have been out there yeah, it's just yeah. a far i knew from a young age that that's a far fetched like, right. Good on you for passing that up because right, right. I wouldn't have been able. I would have driven myself nuts trying to do something I'm not capable you of. You dodged a bullet, <laughs> man. You know, yeah. you really did. You dodged a bullet there. And thank God for people who can and yeah. are, are saving the human race right now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> In 2021. Yeah. You. Yeah. Good. For, good for you for recognizing it. And yeah, I, I went to law school and graduated, and that was the path I was, you know. Okay, so uh, you got was, a little further down. The I got pretty far down it. <laughs> book path. <laughs> I did, yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's Thanks. still something to be. Thanks. It's an yeah. accomplishment. To yeah, be, it is. It's know, hard. Not practicing. Yeah, no, it's it's really really hard, you know. And I did it, and yeah. I did it after like failing out of undergrad, and then going back to school and getting my shit together and making dean's list and all that, you know. So like that's pretty cool. Perseverance. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, yeah, I don't give up. It's a it's a strength and a curse sometimes. Like I yeah. I'm my partner would say I'm stubborn, but um I just think I'm I'm headstrong, right? Yeah. You got beliefs and Yeah. You want to make them known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I just don't quit on things, but ultimately sometimes quitting is the courageous thing to do. Sometimes quitting is the thing that you that you should be doing for yourself. And I'm not saying I should have quit yeah. law school, but that's a great point. Yeah. Sometimes that's the hard thing. When did that click? Like the idea of you hear it growing up. If you do sports, if you do mm-hmm. piano lessons, it's like, don't quit. Yeah. And um, I have friends. I can't, I have friends recently who t- told me a story about like quitting piano lessons after two weeks. Cause it just wasn't happening. <laughs> And their parents were cool with it and like, you know, obviously, um, you know, when you know, you know that something isn't clicking for you. But I think, well, just recently in recent years of the idea of like this cultural, uh, kind of pressure to stick with something. I don't even know what that is. I think it's probably from some like motivational book made in the 60s or yeah i i wonder how much without getting too in the weeds about economics and stuff i wonder how much of that is capitalism driving things there you go you know um but i think to the question you you brought up earlier like to capitalism to kids sports it's like all the same <laughs> <laughs> it can be the same mentality if you're well, not it, careful right but it is it, oh it's a whole another podcast the like a series we <laughs> it's a whole other podcast series but i they think there's a difference between a kid deciding something because as a kid your your brain's not fully formed and and as adults it's difficult for us to try to guide kids and because you also you want you don't want to um and as a teacher I struggle with this a lot I don't want to in any way quash a kid's dreams or hopes or um any any sort of inkling they have to chase something but at the same time I also have the benefit of experience that they don't have and so I, I sometimes want to tell kids like don't give up on that thing yeah versus because like baseball for example is one of my great passions and my mother wouldn't Who's let your me team I'm a Reds fan oh cool yeah yeah I so because I was born in Elizabethtown Kentucky all right and so 
my whole family's from Kentucky. And so Riverfront Stadium, uh, I was seven years old, Cubs, Reds, first game, you know, I ever went to like Changed up. your life. Yeah, did. It really did. Like <laughs> I was I was obsessed with baseball. Yeah. But that's I, a magic environment to it, it go, really, go to a game. Man. It is. It is, yeah. Like, yeah, in eighty seven, so that would have been like I guess I would didn't process this if that had been Barry Larkin's rookie year. That's pretty wild. Yeah. To think. Yeah. Anyway, so huge baseball fan now, but when I first played, um, I hated it. You know, I wasn't good at it because I was new. I was young. I was a kid. I did. I hated it. My mom was like, "Look, you've committed to the season. You got to stick with it." That whole adage, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I ended up. I had quite the aptitude for it. I was actually pretty good, and I loved it, and it became such a big part of my life. But as an adult, I think that's different, right? So you start to know what. Earlier on, I think, you start to know what's going to be good for you and not good for you. Yeah. But, dude, I don't think – you asked earlier, like, when did that click? When to – like, when to let go of things? I'm 40, uh, 36. Yeah. I don't, like, I just – I had a job that I would not give up on, man, and it was so bad for me. I'm the Like, even the building was bad for me, like, moldy and shitty, and, and I was being just – like taking advantage of and yeah. i i was allowing myself to be taken advantage. i could walk away this is my purpose yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. you know and yeah. and something like education can make you feel that way right because mm-hmm. it's like well this is the noble cause you're not doing this for a career or for your for money you're doing it and i bet there's parallels in music man you know this feeling of like this is a greater the greater good is being served here in some way and so you got to stick with this right and next thing you know, you're like having panic attacks and you didn't have to. <laughs> right. Yeah. And each situation is unique too, which like, you know, like you said, you kind of learn to navigate those things that aren't working out and make the decision to either stick with it or not. Yeah. As you become, as you, yeah. Yeah. Adulthood hopefully but reveals some of those realities. Hopefully. I think it just comes at, at different times for different people. And I think if there's some some advice I could give to myself five years ago, it would be like, give yourself a little bit of grace when you fuck up. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have it figured out at 35 or 40, you know, like I don't expect to have it figured out at 60. Yeah. I hope I don't. I hope I'm not that guy saying like, this is how it's supposed to be. I hope at 60, I'm going, I didn't know that's the way it was (laughs) supposed to be. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. No, that's definitely true. There's like a, sometimes it's a relief to fuck up. Yeah. Not in an, should never be a goal, perhaps, but you know, <laughs> after a bad set or not, a, I don't think we've ever had a bad set. I, I, that's not the way I think about it. Right, but right. For those moments, you're like, "Damn, totally missed that." Yeah. And consistently throughout the set, I missed that too, and sometimes it's really cathartic to just, as a band, like realize we're we're human beings, and to laugh about those things are really what's and most important. So often, nobody notices that either. Exactly. It, and you yeah. knew that, but if I'm at your show, I'm not going to be like, "Ooh, oh, oh, Ryan is missing left and right tonight." <laughs> unless you're really off, you know, but the yeah. little things is what you're talking about, and I'm not going to notice that as a, you know, as a fan. It matters to you and it should, but not so much that you beat yourself up. Dude, it's such a crazy phenomenon how Yeah, in your mind as a performer, it can be you can have such strict uh standards. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, as long as the emotion and the rhythm conveys to the 
right. audience. That's like, that's all that matters. Right. Well, dude, this has been such a pleasure. We, I don't want to take too much of your time. We have gone for almost an hour, which is beautiful. And right. it felt like 10 minutes. Um, You've sat still long enough. Thank you. Um, wh- but we always end it was on... easy. <laughs> good. Talking to you. Good, good. I'm glad. We always end on um, what you're getting down on. So the art that has you inspired. It could be a TV show or a painting you saw or a song or an album. Yeah. Oh, man. Right now I'm on season two of the Wu-Tang mm. um, saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and season one was a... It kind of drew me... I had heard Wu-Tang growing up. Sure. I had a friend whose older brother was like, die hard um and so i'd hear it and be kind of like it's kind of a dark uh twist on whatever i'm not gonna try to analyze wu-tang's music mm-hmm. <laughs> on your podcast but i mean you can if you it's want. Like, like darker than Wu-Tang. the stuff you hear on the radio yeah um but it thematically and like some of the sounds but but they were still making hits you know they, oh, were, still, yeah. they were on the radio yeah <laughs> you know? well yeah i think with age i was able to hear the like um. Well, I should just say learning about their story through the show, yeah, and how it, uh, loyalty and unity and everything good, yeah, allowed six or seven. I can't remember how There's many members. Nine, nine, yeah, yeah. Um, to elevate together and chase something beautiful. That's kind of like a yeah. You know, we can all learn from that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's they're a classic example of like you know suburban white kid in the nineties. I, I was listening to. I mean, we all like skipped school and went and bought the double LP. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we all we all snuck off campus and there was a record store across the street. So you were, um, you that was like ninety three. Yeah. 90, well, not uh. Or just probably some years after it. That was ninety four or five, I think. Okay. That the double LP came out, the Wu Tang Forever. Yeah. What I was it like hearing that music like in that as a new as a brand new thing to ingest? It, it we were f- totally clueless. You know what I mean? Like we knew that it made that it was dope <laughs> and we didn't have the words for that and we we knew it made us feel something. We had no idea what they were talking about half the time. And yeah. we didn't have the, there was internet, but it was dial up, you know, and not everybody had it. And so it's not like you could just look up the lyrics and, and, and look up what the, all they, they all mean. Cause for us, you know, they were these guys from Staten Island, they were speaking this completely different language to us. And then what we were speaking in suburban Florida. So yeah. the, I think it was like, it was wondrous to us. It was like this totally different world that somehow connect we connected with it that made us feel something we hadn't experienced at all but the universality of it right of music is just and it scared us a little i think to be perfectly honest because we were like these guys sound fucking tough you know and like (laughs) i don't i don't know anybody like that guy you know i don't know anybody like the rizza like he's really smart but he also sounds like he could kill me you know but I I don't know that that's true. I'm just saying this is what my suburban white brain was listening, to, was hearing, you know, in that moment. Mm-hmm. But it was just like nothing we'd ever heard. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. And we were like, I don't know what this is, but I love it, is yeah. kind of how that feeling was. Yeah. I mean, I know there was a lot of like, I think with the, uh, well, just for example, like the, obviously the Kung Fu movie samples are mm-hmm. a huge part of Wu-Tang and creating the, like, the myth 
Yeah. Or marrying the myth to their reality. And that kind of gave birth <laughs> to, uh, like, uh, since then, I've I've chased a lot of music with creative sampling. And, like, it's kind of opened my world to bands mm. like Boards of Canada and mm. other electronic music that can evoke a lot of emotion with the use of you know a sample a sound sample from a home video or from something else like yeah that's become a really fun like that's interesting thing to realize with um making music and where that kind of thing can fit in and when it makes sense it's like it's really fun to think about for me that's cool like to the point where you think it might find its way into a record of yours or possibly yeah 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 i mean whatever happens naturally but i think yeah it's like it's like a new tool that i'm excited about I'm, we're thinking about getting one of those uh roland like 404 sp they're like these little huge calculator things that you can oh, trigger uh-huh. sample from uh-huh um and we have some sounds on the record. We're not really sure how we're going to create yet. So That's I just cool. gave away how we might <laughs> try to do that. I love it. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Dude, this is so much fun. Thank you for getting up after a late night set and being so present and oh, sharing so much. This was a blast. This is a cathartic conversation. Yes, so I, I feel so good. I feel, I'm ready for the day. Good. Sure. Me too. Ryan Anderson, y'all. Thank you so much, Ryan. And thank all of you for listening. BendigoFletcher.com for all things Bendigo Fletcher. Go get a copy of Fits of Laughter. It's outstanding. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. All those free ways to support the show make a big difference. And if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. We're for just a few bucks a month. You can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life. The most recent Jason's Journey, which is dropping, um, well, today as I'm recording this, tells the story of uh, Allison Russell, the wonderful Allison Russell, who I had the great honor of recording with uh, earlier this week. And during the recording, she got the news that she has been nominated for three Grammy Awards, well-deserved Grammy Awards. And um, 
So I told this sort of the backstory of how that all came about on Jason's journey. And that's, that's kind of what the show is like. It's a little window into what we do. Um, it's uh, just a fun way to kind of connect on a deeper level with the show. All of the money from Patreon goes right back into the show right now. I'm saving up for a new computer. This, uh, this old machine is like barely hanging on. It laughs at me as it boots up. It feels like uh, like an old desktop or something. It's 10 years old, and it's going to quit on me in any minute. So thank you to our Patreon patrons for supporting financially. And if you can swing it, we'd appreciate it. But if not, thank you just for listening. Thank you for listening and spreading the word about the marinade. I appreciate you all so much. All right, y'all, it's time for our review under two, where I review some work of art that has me fired up at the moment, and I try to do so in under two minutes. For this episode, I'm reviewing the latest excellent record from The Rose Line. It's called Constancy. A little bit of context would be helpful before I bring you the review. So I went to see my friends, uh, the Zabuzes, play at Will's Pub here in Orlando. I took an Uber home, and uh, I, I always keep my keys carabinered to my belt loop, and I guess they just my house keys just fell off at some point somehow in the, in the car on the way home. So, you know, you go through the process of notifying Uber and waiting for your keys to be delivered back to you. And I'm stuck, right? I'm stuck outside my house. And I was able to get in my garage, kind of sat down in a little chair in the garage. And I just tweeted like, hey, I'm stuck in my garage. Anybody want to ask me anything or tell me a story? And our good friend Craig from All Knowing Me Gill uh, asked at some point in that conversation. We kind of went back and forth. It was a lot of fun. Craig's such a delight. If I had listened to The Rose Line, the band The Rose Line, which I had not, and this is, I think, their seventh record, um, so I, it was it's for, super fun to get introduced to a band that has you know a fairly deep catalog uh, that I've never heard of, especially, and it still happens to me. I mean, I'm in this world and, li- and listening to especially Americana-type music, but all kinds of music, and I'm fortunate to hear records before they come out, and you know, a lot of times I, I've heard of something when somebody brings it to me, but... Uh, also a lot of times I've never heard of the band and in this case I wasn't familiar with their work so I dialed up their latest single and immediately fell for the music and so with that backstory I present to you my review under two of the Rose Lines Constancy. The Rose Lines Constancy is a slice of pumpkin pie as imagined by a cutting-edge chef Reminiscent of bands like Whiskey Town and the Flying Burrito Brothers, but insistent on tackling familiar themes and exploring comfortable sounds from a very original perspective. Constancy is a hopeful record. Its characters do the messy work of looking back and examining the changes that need to be made. They acknowledge the messes in their lives and refuse to be defined by them. They decide to persevere instead. The backbone of the album is a tune called Hunker Down. It is a perfect encapsulation of the record's prevailing theme. Constancy's characters are in varying stages of getting to know themselves, with those in Hunker Down getting as close to self-actualization as one could dream. Colin Halliburton sings, All I want to do is mostly nothing. Hunker down with you and try to tame. All my peccadillos and bad habits and lay them to waste. <laughs> Incredible. Hunker Down is the excavation of life as a work in progress. It digs up the days of, quote, flirting with service industry women and, quote, spending a shift's worth of wages or more in one night. Those floundering moments of foolish youth that seem like they're necessary rites of passage. And maybe they are. Maybe the takeaway should be that our bad habits and mistakes are in some way necessary to develop constancy as a skill in our lives. 
The narrator in Hunker Down has overcome the false urgency of a night wasted to experience the beauty in doing mostly nothing with the people you love. We could all use a healthy dose of constancy, and the Rose Line is an able ambassador for fortitude in the face of a precarious global landscape. That's my review under two for the Rose Line's constancy. Great record, y'all. Go get it. Uh, support the band. Spend their whole catalog. Um, it comes in a, the CD comes in a beautiful package, and I just can't stop listening. I mean, and it keeps revealing more. So check it out. Thank y'all so much for listening. Thank thank you so much to Ryan Anderson. Uh, check out Bendigo Fletcher as well, everybody. We have so many cool things on the way, and I'm so excited for you to hear them. We've got Kristen Arnett, New York Times bestselling author. We got Tennessee Jet coming at us again. We have that Allison Russell episode, which is truly remarkably special. I am so grateful for all of you for listening and supporting this thing. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.